Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. All right, we're going to open up the scriptures this morning. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 8. So if you do have a Bible or you um, use your phone for a Bible, you can go ahead and get that ready. We're going to be down in verse 11 and following. But before we get there, how are we doing this morning? Are we okay? It's been a long week. <laughs> and uh, some of us um, are very pleased after yesterday. Some of us are very upset after yesterday. Um, and so I'm just, I want to get a gauge for how, how we're doing. It's amazing. Throughout this morning, there have been some people who have been very grumpy and some people who have been very happy all morning. It's about 50-50 in the, in the services. Um, I don't have much to say about the election um, other than trust the process. So the process does work itself out. We, have, uh, we are a country of laws, and the laws um, will work themselves out. So we trust um, elections, and we trust the judiciary to do their work. We trust um, the legislator to do their work. Um, so we trust that. And in the meantime, let's be kind to one another. Okay? Scripture commands us to mourn with those who mourn and to celebrate with those who celebrate. And some of us in our country are celebrating, some of us are mourning, and I think as Christians we ought to be able to have empathy for both. We ought to be able to celebrate with those who are celebrating and mourn with those who mourn. So be nice to each other. We are commanded to love one another. And um, if you are upset, this too shall pass. If you are celebrating, then you can celebrate and that's great. All right, so we're going to jump into our passage today. Uh, we're in this sermon series called I Promise, and I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, humans are really bad at keeping promises. Have you noticed that? Especially in this election cycle, there's been a lot of conversation about uh, what promises um, politicians have made in the past. Uh, it can be all the way far back, uh, many years ago, short, uh, you know, just a few years ago. There are lots of talk about promises. And I think that we can all agree that as we look back, a lot of those promises aren't kept, at least not the way they were given. We're really bad at keeping promises. Uh, but the good news is that God always keeps his promises. He always does what he says he's going to do. So uh, Pastor Ben, as he constructed this sermon series, he wanted to take this month of November and uh, he wanted to explore the promises that God gives us uh, in a positive way. These promises that we can um, live in and live out in and grow in throughout our lives as we grow in our faith. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to look at another one of these promises. So we're in this book called Deuteronomy, and it's in the Old Testament. It's the fifth book in the Bible. It's way down there at the beginning. And Deuteronomy is my favorite book of the Bible. I love the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, I think it, it just it unpacks so much. And especially as Christians, as we read through De De Deuteronomy, it really prepares us for Jesus. It kind of sets the stage for the rest of the Old Testament. As we read through the Old Testament, it prepares our hearts 
to kind of see the patterns of failure that the Israelites had in the Old Testament and eventually leads us to Christ. So I love Deuteronomy, and I just want to give you a little bit of context in case you don't know it, in case you haven't really wrestled through um, the Old Testament in this way. Deuteronomy is a very long sermon given by Moses at the end of his life. And so Deuteronomy is pretty big. I think it's 30-some chapters. And I know, you guys know that I did not grow up Lutheran. I grew up Methodist, which means I, I tend to maybe preach a little bit longer than you're used to. Um, and I know I can be long-winded sometimes, but just be glad I'm not preaching 35 chapters worth of sermon uh, every Sunday because this is a long sermon that Moses gives here. But it's essentially a last will and testament to this young generation of Israelites because God has rescued them out of slavery and the, uh, the generation that was rescued out of slavery, they disobeyed God. They were unfaithful to God. And so God said, you may not enter the promised land, but your kids can enter the promised land. So Moses is here. He's kind of the last one of that older generation, the unfaithful generation alive. And he's preaching to this younger generation. He preaches this long sermon, and then he just goes up on top of this mountain and dies. It's actually, it's kind of humorous, like, looking back at it, because he just preaches, 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 and then he goes and he uh, dies up on the mountainside. But as he's preaching this sermon to this young generation, he's reminding them what God has done. And the Bible is a book of God's promises. That's what it's all about. It's all about God making promises to humans, to the Israelites, to, um, and then to us as the church. And so uh, Moses, as he's preaching this sermon, He's keeping them in mind a couple of things. Uh, first, that God made a promise to Abraham. Way back at, toward the beginning of Genesis, God made a promise to Abraham that Abraham was going to have a huge family, and it was going to become a nation, and this nation was actually going to become so prosperous and uh, so peaceful that it was going to bless all the other nations, that God was going to bless all the world through the Israelites, through the people of God. So he made this promise to Abraham way back at the beginning of Genesis. And then Abraham has some kids and they have some kids and eventually it gets down to this guy named Joseph toward the end of Genesis who's sold into slavery from his brothers and God gives Joseph a promise. God says to Joseph, Joseph, you're gonna be a great man and you're gonna save my people. Sure enough, Joseph ends up in Egypt as a slave. He gets, uh, he, through some miraculous means, he actually becomes the second in command of the entire Egyptian empire. And wouldn't you know it, he actually ends up saving his family, the people of God, from a famine. So God made a promise to Abraham. This nation was born. God made a promise to Joseph. Joseph saved this family, this nation. And then God rescued this nation out of slavery after they'd been enslaved in Egypt. And he made a promise to them at Sinai, at this mountain called Sinai. And they kind of had a marriage ceremony at Sinai. That's where we get the Ten Commandments and a lot of the laws come from this kind of marriage ceremony uh, scene at the Mount Sinai. And so he makes a promise to the Israelites there. He says, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to provide you everything you need and you're going to be faithful to me. And you're going to have no other gods. You're not going to have any idols. You're not going to have anybody else. You're not going to trust any nations. You're not going to trust in your weapons or your army. You're going to trust only in me. The Israelites agree. They have this kind of covenant, this marriage ceremony. And then, of course, as the story unfolds all through Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, the Israelites fail again and again and again. They're offered an opportunity 
and they fail. They're offered an opportunity and they fail. And actually, as we move through the entire Old Testament, that's what the entire Old Testament is like. It's these stories of again and again and again, people ought to live up to God's standards and then they don't. Uh, and, And the reality is that the Old Testament, there really are no heroes. There's really no good guys in the Old Testament. God is the only hero of the Old Testament. Everyone else in the Old Testament is unfaithful and God is the only one who is faithful through the whole thing. That's pretty much the story of the Bible is that God is faithful to us and ultimately that leads us to Jesus. So that's the context that we're in right now. Moses is preaching to this younger generation. He's reminding them of what God has done. He uh, tells these stories. He reminds them of what their parents went through. And then he gives them a series of warnings. And there's actually one teaching that's central to the book of Deuteronomy. It comes before our passage today. I don't want to look at it. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is called the Shema. You may have heard of it before. And it comes from the Hebrew. The first word in Hebrew is Shema. That means like, listen up. And so this is what uh, Deuteronomy 6 says. This is Moses talking to the Israelites. Hear, O Israel, listen up, Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. This is kind of the central theme of Deuteronomy, that God has spoken to his people And all the warnings that come through Deuteronomy are about remembering what God has said. And that's actually what we're going to see today. It's all about remembering what God has said to them, remembering his commandments and obeying his commandments. So the warning that we see today is in line with this. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11, take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Here's the warning. Don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget Yahweh. Don't forget the one who's rescued you out of Egypt. And how can the Israelites forget him? By not keeping his commandments, by by not listening to God's commandments, by not listening to what he says. Of course, we know the end of the story. The Israelites are a forgetful people. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're also kind of forgetful too. Um, I'm actually, I'm a very forgetful person. And uh, I, I lose things all the time. I forget what's going on all the time. And in fact, in my house, there are very strict rules that I follow in order to not forget things. When I walk into my back door from my driveway, I have a little hook on the wall and my car keys always go on that little hook. I walk in, I lock the doors of the car, and I put the keys up on the hook. And then I keep going into my house and I enter into the dining room and we have this little buffet table kind of thing in our dining room and we have a record player there and I always set my wallet right next to the record player or on top of the record player. That's where it always goes. I walk in, keys go on the hook, wallet goes next to the record player every time. So guess what happens when I am out getting groceries or picked up groceries for my wife and I'm carrying them inside and I have the keys in my hand, I'm not able to put them up on the hook and they wind up on the counter in the kitchen. Guess what happens? I lose my keys. They disappear and I can't find them. I can never find my keys and I don't remember that they were on the kitchen counter. I always do this. So I have rules. 
The keys go in the same place, the wallet goes on the same place, my shoes go in the same place, my socks go in the same place, my pants go, there's always, everything has to be very orderly and it always has to be that way or I lose things. And I lose things all the time and it makes my wife laugh a lot and I also get very upset. I like get red in the face, I get very, I get very ticked off if I lose things or forget things. But we are forgetful people. Uh, we forget lots of things in our lives. We forget appointments like going to the dentist. And of course, dentists are so busy. If you miss a dentist appointment, you have to schedule another one three or four months out because they're so busy. So that's a pain in the neck. Um, We forget daylight savings time. Uh, So, you know, last week was daylight savings time. Sometimes we show up an hour too early, an hour too late. Uh, We had somebody show up today an hour too early uh, because they forgot which weekend was daylight savings time. We forget things even in our um, political world And actually, when it comes to politics, we have very short-term memories because there's lots of conversation right now about winners and losers and calling each other names and and crying about, or not, I shouldn't say crying, and um, raising concerns about the, the, the fidelity of the elections. And we forget that four short years ago, those things were flipped, weren't they? Four short years ago, we were calling each other names and worrying about the fidelity of the election, and now it's the other way around. We forget that four years ago, we were on the other end of that thing. We're very forgetful people. And when it comes to spiritual matters, we're extra forgetful. Because we have these sinful natures that force us and we're unable to uh, remember God's promises to us. This is why we ought to read scripture as often as we can. This is why we ought to gather together in worship to hear the word of the Lord, to hear his promises, and to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ is because we're forgetful people. We don't always remember what God has says, what God has said. Moses continues. He says, don't forget uh, when you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself for getting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Here's the reason that we forget things is because there are so many other things going on in our lives. We forget things because we're so busy in our lives. We're busy with our relationships, with our marriages, with our kids, and those are the things that we kind of ought to busy ourselves with. We want to take care of our families, we want to take care of our kids, but we're forgetful people. So eventually our families kind of take the place of God. We forget God and we remember our families. Or we we are so concerned about uh, culture wars and politics, we're so concerned about all these things going on in our world that we tend to forget what God has done for us. And what we do is we actually fill up our hands with our homes and our 401ks and our social security checks and our, uh, our hobbies and our politics and our culture. And then where our hands are so full, we come to God and we have no way to receive what he has for us. Our hands are not open to him because they're so full of other stuff. And here's the problem with this, is that God, he likes to be God, and he doesn't like it when other things are God. I don't think, uh, I think most of you in this room haven't, didn't, didn't grow up Lutheran, kind of like me, uh, but there's this thing called the small catechism. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's, uh, it's kind of like the, the Christian teaching condensed into this little pamphlet, and it's designed for families to go through together to teach the kids. 
And it goes through things like the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Sacraments, those kinds of stuff. It's just a little book. And we actually have several of them out here. If you exit the doors and turn right, there's kind of a member area where you can sign up for things and get your, you know, the devotionals and that kind of stuff. We have some small catechisms there. Grab one on your way out. But in the small catechism, it'll, it'll teach uh, a commandment of God, for example, in the Ten Commandments, which the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. That's the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make idols. That's the very first commandment. And Martin Luther, who wrote the small catechism, then he kind of explains what it means. And so he asks the question, what is this? What does this mean? And this is what Martin Luther says. He says that God, we should fear, love, and trust God above all things. That's what it means for God to be our God, is to fear him, to love him, and to trust him above everything else. But we're not good at that. We trust in lots of things that aren't God, don't we? We trust in our money, we trust in our resources, we trust in our retirement, we trust in our politics, in our culture, we trust in our relationships, but we don't always trust in God. But here's the deal, is that God wants to be God. He actually demands to be God. And so it's like this. Um, I have two little boys, three, year, three years old and one and a half. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you know that this is true, that you love it when your kid comes and asks you for something. Isn't that a great feeling? I love it when my sons come to me and ask me to read with them. Or they ask me to get a snack for them or to get them water. I like meeting their needs. I like providing for them. Even if I can't always give them what they want, I, I want them to ask me. Like when my uh, three-year-old asked, asked me for a piece of candy and I, I can't give it to him because my wife and I already ate all the Halloween candy, right? Even if I can't give him what he wants, I still want him to ask me because I'm his father and I love him and I want to provide for him. This is exactly how God is. He wants to provide for us. But we cannot come to God in any other way other than being a beggar. We cannot come to God with our hands full of stuff. We have to empty our hands in order to receive what God has for us. And here's the truth, and, and the, the warning in Deuteronomy, if you guys remember, we're not gonna get to it because it's kind of a long passage. Um, but the warning in Deuteronomy is that if, if the Israelites do forget God's promises, they're gonna perish. That's the warning there. And we cannot have our hands full of things and still receive from God. He's not going to allow that. So we have to come to him as beggars. We have to humble ourselves or we're gonna get humbled by him. We have to humble ourselves or he's gonna take away the very things that we hold above him, that we trust and love more than him. Because guess what? You can't drive a U-Haul into heaven, right? We can't take our things with us. So he will humble us even if it's in our death. And some of us feel humbled after this week. God wants us to trust him. And he wants, us, he wants to be God to us. And him being God to us means he creates and he sustains us. And it means that he promises us all sorts of things like peace and patience and understanding. And in Ephesians chapter 1, it's amazing. Paul writes that God has promised us, he, he gives us in Christ 
all the spiritual blessings of heaven. Every single spiritual blessing that God is going to give us in eternity, we can have right now. That means that we can have peace that surpasses all understanding. We can have love for our neighbor. It means that we can have holiness and righteousness. It means that we can uh, be kind to one another, be patient with one another. We can have self-control. All of these spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1 tell us, tells us we already have them. But our hands are just too darn full. They're too full of other things for us to have those things. And so this is what God wants from us. He wants us to empty our hands and he wants us to ask him for these promises. He wants us to to call him to account and to make good on his promises. If you read the Psalms, it's amazing. Uh, The psalmists, they're, they're quite bold with God. And it's almost like God wants us to grab him by the collar and tell him, God, you promised you were gonna give me peace. I feel like I'm going crazy, but you said you were gonna give me peace, now hand it over. It's almost like God wants us to be that bold with him. And in fact, in Luke 18, Jesus tells a parable where he compares God to a judge who has to be pestered by a widow to to, um, offer a righteous judgment. God wants us to pester him. He wants us to continue to ask him. And sometimes it's all we can do. Sometimes trusting in God means grabbing him by the collar and saying, God, I need you now. I need patience. I need hope in this time. That's what he wants from us. That's what he asks us to do. And that's what he offers here in Deuteronomy. I am the Lord, your God. And so this is the promise that we see today. God promises to be your God. He doesn't just promise to be Lord over the cosmos, although he is that. He doesn't just promise to be God in the abstract as this all-powerful creator, which he is. He also promises to be your God. Not distant, not abstract, but yours. He wants to be your God. He wants you to come to him like a child and asking him for things. And frankly, lots of times he doesn't care if it's good or bad, right or wrong. Sometimes he's going to say no because he has to. But we're told again and again and again in Scripture that God loves to give good gifts, and we just have to ask. Jesus teaches it, Paul teaches it, James teaches it, and we see it right here in Deuteronomy. Do not forget what God has done for you, He's your God and you can go to him and receive good things.